Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty 360, welcoming you to another Loyalty 360 Thought Leadership Series. Today, we have the opportunity and pleasure of speaking with Marty Beller. She is the president of Kobe Marketing. Marty, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you, Mark. Great. Uh, in this thought leadership series, we talk to the leaders in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology and processes that are impacting the brand's ability to drive unique experiences and engagement. And Marty, being very well skilled in the uh, industry around customer loyalty, having a number of uh, very powerful positions throughout the year, is an expert, and it's always great to talk with her. Um, Marty, first off, can you give us a little background on your company, what your company does, and also your role within that organization? Sure. So the company is Kobe. Um, a lot of people refer to it as Kobe Marketing, and we've been around for 30 years, and I'm the president of it. It's a privately held company, um, and we enjoy our private status because it allows us a lot of flexibility in the way that we help our clients succeed. Um, but the company has really always been focused on creating customer engagement and loyalty um, on behalf of our brands, and we offer technology, advisory, analytics, and creative services to brands that work with us. And we're trying to help marketers specifically understand both the customer and behavioral transactions that are out there, but the emotional drivers of those customers more than anything else. And our job is really to help them develop an authentic relationship where we marry the two and we meet customers where they are in their journey, which everybody says, but where people are in their journey right now is really where they are, not just in their mind and how their transactions are going through the system, but in their heart and what emotionally drives them. And so Kobe is really focused on understanding those emotional drivers. And we have a methodology to be able to actually identify customers based on how they're emotionally motivated. And that helps brands, whether they're running a loyalty program or just a customer engagement initiative, or even in their CRM, to really have another layer of segmentation that allows them to create that authentic relationship. Excellent. And the next question, I probably want to break it into two different parts. Um, and what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you see regarding customer loyalty and customer experience today? I would like to probably ask that two different ways. So what are you seeing today, obviously, in lieu of what we're seeing in the coronavirus, and then maybe stepping back two months before what are some of the biggest challenges you saw then before, you know, what we're seeing right now? Because as you and I have spoken, you know, you have a lot of customers now, or you're just doing a lot of great work with to help them get through this. So, you know, it'd be good to have both perspectives there. So I think one of the biggest challenges, and it's interesting, this really exists at some of the largest brands um, in the world, is that they look at their loyalty initiative, and especially if they have a points program, and they're seeing it to some degree as an expense. And I'm always surprised by that. That's been a trend that we've seen for a long time, but I would say that that trend is increasing over the last 18 months. And I think Corona, unfortunately, probably creates an opportunity for it to actually increase even more. But what we do and what we're really focused on is the opportunity that it sits inside that, which is to expand the understanding of how these programs are really intended to drive greater impact from a customer engagement, a customer lifetime value, and of course, a bottom line perspective, driving incremental sales or interactions, whatever is important to that client. And so I think the current challenge is people 
looking at just a piece of their loyalty initiative and not seeing the total picture of it. And I think that's why the advisory services side of what we do is so important to our business is to really shine a light beyond just the nuts and bolts of what goes through a system or a process. Um, but I think that that's probably going to increase to some degree after we come out of this pandemic. Interesting. Quick follow-up to that. How do we get organizations to think more holistically? Because I would almost argue that even that is kind of the kind of the modality we're seeing, it actually should almost be different, right? You, you really want to have uh, an increased level of engagement with your your audience, your core customers, because right now the uncertainty is going to be greater than ever. So having a relationship, having that reciprocity, having the ability to listen to and understand and drive loyalty in a bigger picture should be of paramount impact for everyone, correct? A absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about how to maximize the interaction with customers between the transactions, right? Um, I think a lot of people have gotten down the cadence of how to drive transactions to some degree. They have methods that work, but it's really the in-between. And this time creates a really interesting opportunity for everybody to think about that in-between time and drive incremental engagement, but more importantly, authentic engagement that creates a human connection um, not a consumer or a customer connection, more of a human connection. And I think that's important. You mentioned a word that's very near and dear to us, which is reciprocity. Um, one of the three drivers that we identify of emotional motivation from the um, customer on the other end of an equation is habit, status, and reciprocity. Um, and everyone's habit has been absolutely, you know, turned upside down during this time frame. So I think with habits out of the, you know, out of where they normally are, we're looking at how do you drive reciprocity? How do you really tap into that? Because it's a real and genuine emotion that comes out, especially in times like this. And if you can tap into that reciprocity moment with the consumer, you actually can drive a meaningful, authentic relationship as we come out of this time frame that might be even incremental to what you had before you went in. And so I think those are the types of things that we're trying to help our clients think about as they go through this process. That's awesome, that's excellent. Uh, can you give us a brief overview of your your customer loyalty offering? You've talked about the services piece you have, uh, and your three pillars there, which are obviously very impactful, but would love to know a little bit more about the overview of the process, the technology, and how it's unique to the market, uh, and maybe, different than some of the competitive sets that are out there. I appreciate that. Um, I think one of our uniqueness factors stems from the fact that we serve both on the services side or on the strategic advisory analytics creative side, as well as on the technology side. And we see those as both separate and highly integrated. And the reason I say that is because, and you, I think you experience this too a lot, Mark, You'll get somebody that says, I need X, whatever that is. I need a platform to run my points program, or I need somebody to help me run campaigns and offers. But really the question is, what are you trying to solve for? And when you run a large advisory services practice that like we do, um, you get really good at looking for the actual problem that people are trying to solve, not just providing the solution they thought they needed. And while those are close and sometimes equal, Many times they're actually apart. Um, and so it's important for us to um, really dig to what is the heart of the problem that people are solving. Um, and 
when we do that, that's when we get to a lot of the questions around how do I connect more with my customers or even my pros my prospects, people that I want to come into our environment. And that's where we get very strongly into let's figure out what's driving them. And we use many of the methods that a lot of people do, but the emotional layer is what I think separates us apart. People talk about emotional loyalty, but very few people have turned it into a methodology that can be applied. We have a client right now, an airline of all, of all clients, who is actually trying to figure out whether our emotional loyalty scoring and what we recommend out of that system can drive NPS in a differentiated way. And if we can make that tie and say, what we do with emotional scoring can drive a betterment of NPS beyond the betterment of transactions and lifetime value, um, I think that's the holy grail for us. And that's what I think separates us apart is we've gotten it down to a science. That's awesome. And, and, and having reviewed what you do with regard to emotional loyalty, it is, is very impactful. And, and I think to your point, there's a lot of people talking about emotional loyalty in a very disjointed manner. Uh, there's not kind of a, an agreed upon a method or kind of process or even measurement. But I think uh, knowing some of your clients, some of your do, some of the things you're doing in that regard, it, it's interesting to see what you do and how you actually are truly getting to a simplified understanding of emotional loyalty, which is very important because having that very big uh, kind of obtuse definition makes it hard for both the customer and the client to understand and uh, commend you for that work for sure. That's great to great to see. Yeah, I really, I, I really appreciate that. I think getting it to more of a science, and of course, there'll always be an art to um, determining emotional behavior um, has been really important to us. I, I hate saying that I look forward to anything as it relates to an outcome of what we're going through, because of course, I would choose for us not to be going through it but knowing that the emotional behaviors of consumers and customers are gonna change so incredibly much during that time frame, I actually think we're in this position, and you saw this in 2009 and 2010, loyalty providers were in a unique position to help brands respond and rebound. And so I look at what we have both at a core offering perspective, but when you layer on that emotional element of it and you say, how do you actually maximize understanding where customers are at emotionally. Um, I think that we have a real opportunity as an industry, but Kobe has a unique one outside of that after this pandemic passes. Excellent, I agree with that as well. Uh, next question, uh, obviously very germane uh, this discussion as well. Customer loyalty, how do you define that? Uh, I think with your focus on customer loyalty, that's very unique. Uh, is, is that definition consistent uh, You know, over the past 18 months? Or uh, any better question, how, Will you define customer loyalty after the kind of the, the pandemic issue we have now? It, it's such, I love this question. I love this question. You know, you and I have known each other for forever because we've been in and around this space for forever. And there's the constant thing that everyone says is loyalty, the destination is engagement, part of the journey that gets you there. Um, and we touched on it before, which is it's about reciprocity. It's about having a relationship that can withstand something right? There's, there's going to be moments in every relationship you have, whether it's between two people or between a brand and their customers, where you're going to go through something together. It might be an interaction that didn't go the way the customer wanted. It, it might be something that they see in the news. And to me, customer loyalty is defined as being better than the last transaction, right? The being bigger than any transaction. It's about that reciprocity component that says, 
I feel compelled for what you've done for me to a level that I want to do something differentially for you. And I think that people struggle sometimes to say, well, what is it about my business that, that is emotionally driving, right? And I've seen amazing examples in the news of people who have taken the transactions of their business and emotionalized them into the realities of what these things really mean to consumers. So one of the early on favorites for me was Best Buy when they talked about, you know, we're here helping everybody set up their home office. It wasn't about buying a computer. It was about solving a problem that emerged during this time frame. And then they took the concept of, you know, just buying a refrigerator and talking about it more about keeping the food that we have fresh longest to provide for our families. And so you can sit there and say, how does any business model talk about themselves in a more emotional way? And I think it goes to find out how your consumers think about your products in terms of what matters to their life and speak to them in that voice. And that will avoid also some of the tone deaf components of what can happen during this and other times. Um, and so I see customer loyalty as that that's greater than a transaction when you're able to actually make a connection and that that connection is more than that transaction. Now, I think you're interesting. I mean, uh, it, it, we always read in kind of the behavioral economics books, customers don't buy uh, solutions for external problems. They buy important internal problems, right? So keeping my food fresh, keeping my family fed, they're not looking for the best computer or the, or the best refrigerator. They're trying to figure out that internal problem. But brands so oftentimes get focused on external problems, right? You need a bigger nail, you need a bigger hammer, whatever. But I think it, it, it's kind of relating those two, as you mentioned, where it can be very, that the intersection is very powerful. So yeah, that's uh, that's good to hear as well. It's great. Um, yeah, I think the, the Mark. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I think, no, I think one of the things I I think you're a fan of this, but it goes back to something that was probably really popular a few years ago, which is start with the why, right? Start with the why, which is a Simon Sinek extremely famous TED talk, is why do you matter to your consumers? And whether you're a retailer that's that sells apparel. You know, you might be the person that's helping a, a woman um, feel her best. Um, you might be helping somebody post uh, a pregnancy to make them feel more back to themselves. But finding those emotional connections are incredibly important. And knowing how to present them to the consumer is also important. We have a Midwest retailer who's one of our clients, and we did a lot of emotional work with them. And the concept of a stylist, right, really appeals to a status-driven customer. But the concept of a party with friends to go through new wardrobing or a new season is something that's much more around people that like reciprocity. And so knowing right. your customer can change your, your way that you talk to the customer, which allows the customer to meet you in the place that they're the most comfortable. And that's where I think is going to be really important after this. Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, we did a survey of our members uh, at the end of last year in 2019, and they were kind of a top four trends. And, and the, the, the number one trend was this whole idea, and you kind of touched on it there, personalization, segmentation, and cadence management, where I think that's going to go under kind of a dramatic shift as well. You know, how are you looking at those kind of three topics within kind of that integrated whole, you know, personalization, segmentation, cadence management? How, how how do you look at that? How do you get that right in, in kind of this new uh, ecosphere that we're going to be uh, kind of uh, you know, forced into? 
Yeah, I, I'm worried I'm gonna sound like a broken record to some degree, um, but I think that personalization is about knowing more about someone, right? And in some of my past roles and my past lives, we knew that what you spent money on indicated a lot about who you are and what you value. But that only goes so far um, because you can't see beyond some of the things that you would like to transactionally or demographically to make the right assumptions about the person that you, the customer that you want to talk to. And that's why I think when you get to personalization, you have to understand voice. Um, voice is extremely important. We all have gotten emails in this time um, that we look at and go, wow, I hope this was on an automatic email generator because if not, I'm worried if this is really what they wanted to say to me. Um, it seems so out of touch with what we're going through right now. And I think voice is a very important part of that. But that speaks to how are people meeting you in that place? What voice resonates with them the most? What matters to them the most? And so, like I said, if they're in a habit mentality with you as a brand, one voice would say, don't actually take them out of that habit. Now, COVID is gonna take a lot of people out of habits, but I think for those people that interact with their brand in a habitual way, it's important to not break that because some of the most stressful things are around change. But when you look at status and reciprocity, one has to do with how are you making me feel special by the way you talk to me about my relationship with you as a brand. And the other says, how are you forging a relationship that I already believe we have, and I just wanna make sure you think so too. So I think personalization comes from that, understanding that and then getting that right voice. But I think cadence will be the biggest impact. I, I genuinely hope that it's the biggest impact out of this because this is about finding quality interactions, not quantity interactions. And I think all of us just suffer from how much is coming into our inbox that's not meaningful. And if we got less, but of more quality and talking to us in the way that is meaningful to each one of us, we'd, we'd click on that at a response rate perspective much more than we do today. So my hope is that people will step back as they slow down their cadence a little bit in this um, and think through what that voice should be, have that voice be more personally motivated and then actually get their cadence to be a quality cadence versus a quantity. And I think quantity is always what happens when quality is questioned because they just have to hit the machine more and more often, but that's antithetical or goes right against what we're trying to do from a loyalty perspective. Mm, that's awesome. That's a good point. And it'll be interesting to see how that uh, uh, kind of evolves. I mean, that's one of the things that we've heard from our members too is, how do we, we know we have to be more empathetic. I mean, we had a small sided meeting yesterday. We didn't have a lot of brands on only at eight, but you know, it's, it's a lot of the big programs are on hold right now. We have to listen. We have to put ourselves in the customer's shoes. And you know, a lot of the times that's lip service, but I think right now it, it, it seems very genuine, which I think it's great to hear. And, you know, there's some uncertainty and obviously what you're doing with, you know, all of your clients to help get them through this is, is important. People want, people want to talk more than ever before. You know, I've spent the last three days just calling. We sent out some emails and calling people and people get you on the phone. They want to talk for 20, 30 minutes in the past. You know, they want to get a phone. Now this uncertainty, I don't think we leverage the bonds that come out of that. There's something inherently wrong because people want to talk. People want to get things out. They want to know how you are and they want to, they want to have a sounding board more than I've ever seen it before. Yeah. 
I completely agree. We did um, really quickly, probably quicker than we thought was, uh, you know, that was a little risky. We pulled all of our clients together in what we called virtual collaborations. And so we had all of our client contacts, uh, you know, on Zoom type videos where people were talking to each other. And it wasn't as important for us, for our voice to be heard as it was for them to hear other voices. We're all in our own, you know, ecosystem of our own companies dealing with our own clients, but the client to client interaction has been incredibly important in this time frame. And as I talked to clients afterwards, you know, and they were so thankful for what we did, they got insights out of those calls that I would have never, ever picked up on because I'm not as close to the day-to-day -day challenges that they have beyond what they talk to us about. And so they're picking up and synapses are firing all across all of our clients in those virtual collaborations. So we offered up thought leadership, but for the most part, I think what we offered up was a bond. We just offered up a place for people to share what's happening. One of the coolest things came out of that, um, and there was an uh, a article about it today. Um, we started to hear this, uh, you know, this dialogue around cash and the fact that cash and transacting cash in certain scenarios may go down and would contactless go way up, which of course, Contactless is a word that people are using a lot, but Apple Pay has for so long looked for its, you know, point of differentiation in the United States. Worldwide, it's been great. And the question is, is this a, a time where all wallet-related, contactless-related payments start changing? And how does that impact what we can do from a loyalty perspective? Because as we go more digital, we have more opportunities to talk to people. And so I think that's a thinking about what are the futuristic trends of how consumer behavior will forever change as a result of this is really amazing. And I think those are the outcomes of this time that are unique and different than any other time. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to watch for sure. Um, the second to last question I have is, uh, if you could, we call this our CMO challenge question, uh, very appropriate. If you could ask a competitor, you know, a brand or even a customer, one question around customer loyalty, you know, to kind of help you or help your clients, what would that question be? Um, it's, I think my question would be this, and I feel like this might be a little edgy or risky, but everyone's talking about emotional loyalty, but sometimes I question whether we really are ready as an industry and as brands to get behind that. Um, because it does, it does mean going to a highly personalized level. It does mean, you know, kind of changing our voice and having that voice be highly segmented. Um, and so the fact that we've been able to prove through what we do that understanding the emotional drivers drives better outcomes because you have a better voice, you can bring your cadence back, not have so much quantity, get to quality and drive the same impact or better impact. Um, I wonder, have we gone beyond the headline? Uh, do we really believe it? Or is it just the thing we have to have an answer for? Because for us, we have the answer for it. And more and more, we're seeing people take, you know, uh, take advantage of it. But Mark, you and I have been around long enough that if somebody had the answer to figuring out how to tap to the emotion, you would think everyone would be drinking from that well all day. And so my question, I guess, would be, is emotional loyalty a headline 
or do we as an, as an industry really believe in its impact? Because I know for Kobe, we do. Absolutely. Excellent. That's, uh, I think that's very, uh, you know, very appropriate for what we're seeing. And hopefully we have some more sanguine outcomes coming out of this and focusing on that. So, uh, you know, interesting for sure. And definitely leads us to our last question, which I think I know the answer to. And what do you think the next big thing for customer loyalty, customer experience is? And I think I know the answer, but you know, <laughs> how do, how do we as an industry, how do we as, you know, a set of organizations who are very passionate, very focused on this, get to that next big thing? And I'll, I'll let you say what it is, but uh, I know what it is, but go ahead. And but well, more importantly, how, how do we how do we focus on that? How do we bring that to the forefront? How do we, you know, have the passion and the commitment and the, you know, the the, the commitment, I think, is, is the best word as an organization, as, as an industry to focus on that? Yeah, well, well, I assume that you assume I'm going to say the next big thing is understanding emotional drivers of consumers and getting to emotional loyalty. But I'm going to go one step beyond that because we're already at that place. So I'll tell you what I think the next big thing is. The next big thing to me is leveraging that to understand how to talk to your customers and maximize the impact between transactions. Um, this is what everybody wants. Uh, you know, there's a lot of mechanisms out there. There's a lot of ways to drive to those transactions but talking between the transactions, getting engagement and understanding between the transactions, that's the next big thing. Because, and think about if we had cracked that as an industry, um, as a collective group going into this time, right? That would be incredibly helpful for people, but they're trying to figure out, you know, transactions are one way to value a customer, but interactions and engagements and all the different ways that your brand is actually touched by a consumer is so powerful at, into understanding who to really motivate differentially. So I think the segmentation personalization question is also in here, which is not just how do you segment your customers, but how do you segment your marketing efforts to those that have the most likelihood to be your most loyal customers. And so understanding the between the transaction and, and of course, emotional drivers are an important part of that. I think is the next big thing because again, I don't think we can keep going at this quantity without quality going up. And I think quality is gonna come from more data and more data is gonna come from digital and digital is about interactions as much as transactions. Well, uh, it's interesting and I, I agree with that. Getting, giving that uh, ability to increase in tra transactions but create uh, more impactful communications before it, it, between the transactions, between the engagement is huge. And uh, it, it was definitely an interesting time coming out of this. And thank you again for taking the time to uh, talk with us. It's always great to have conversations with you. Uh, one of the things I always have a great deal of respect with you is the passion you have and the mm -hmm. kind of the emotional connection, but the, the emotion you show for this, because a lot of people, uh, not to debase others, but there isn't that passion, right? It's a job, uh, but much like you, I'm very passionate about this and to be able to share uh, such great thoughts uh, and emotion with someone who is, uh, you know, a leader in the industry is is uh, the thing I love most about my job. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks, Mark. Back at you. Appreciate Loyalty 360 and everything that you do for the industry as well. I'm glad we share the passion um, and we're going to all need it coming out of this. So thank you. I appreciate it. Agreed. Well, thank you very much. Look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye.